Good morning and welcome Crossbridge. Welcome to our Sunday service. I am Joyce Chang, one of the presiders. I'm grateful for, to be with you this Sunday morning at our live and in-person service. I'm happy to see all the faces here. It's been a while since I've seen this many people. And I'm also really glad to be with you virtually. Um, we feel the Lord's Spirit today a lot in this room, and we really hope that for those of you who are joining us virtually, that you would feel the same um, Holy Spirit with you in your living rooms. And to all of our mothers, we wish you a happy Mother's Day on this beautiful morning, um, and we thank you for being so loving and so strong. We honor you today. We have a special video for you at the end of service as well for our mothers, so stay tuned. And if you haven't already, um, for those of you who are joining us virtually, please gather your family members and roommates to join us in worship this morning. We've all had busy weeks and weekends, so let's turn from our worldly distractions and set our minds and hearts and attention to the glory of God. This morning, as we worship, let us look to Jesus and re be reminded of his goodness and grace to us. And as we sing, let us be reminded in Psalms 100, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And just a quick reminder, uh, today we will be doing communion. Um, so for those of you who are joining virtually, please have a second device ready um, to join the Zoom lobby. Or um, you can use a browser within your current device. And all are welcome to join the Zoom um, even though you are not partaking in the elements. Now let's transition to a time of worship with Minister Cola and the worship team. All right, please rise in body or spirit. Uh, today for our worship set, you know, I was, I was reading the passage and reflecting and, and just feeling that, in, you know, in, this, in the sermon today we have both death, but then we have the hope of the gospel continuing to move, continuing to go. And often in our lives, we have that kind of that tension, too, of the hardships that we face along with the goodness of God in our lives, too. And, and on our worship side, I wanted to reflect that. I wanted to say, to recognize that there is hardship, there is hurt, but at the same time, God is good and he's near to us, too. So let's take some time and, and, and quiet our hearts and lift our worries and our anxieties to the Lord and sing songs that say that we trust him as well. So let's take some time and just get our hearts ready before the Lord. Never made 
see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Oh, your grace. Oh, your grace. 
so free washes over me you have made me new now life begins with you it's your endless love pouring down on us you have made us new now life begins with you released from my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully bore he canceled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested and my life offerings. It's a time for us to, to give back to God with what He has richly blessed us with. If you're new or you're not a believer, there's no obligation to give, but there will be a QR code on the screen, and then if you're watching, in, if you're watching on the live stream, you can look down below for where to give to. Um, yeah, praise God that He is risen and that He is good.
Thank you, Minister Cola and the worship team for that beautiful worship set. I do completely agree that it is great to hear voices again, all your voices. Um, right now, we're going to transition to a time of prayer. Uh, we will be praying for one of our ministry partners, Kenny Chow. Kenny Chow is a church mobilizer for the missions organization International Students Incorporated. He ministers to the international students at NYU. Let's watch his video. For the past seven years, I have been ministering to international students at New York University. Our Bible studies have students from many parts of the world, as many still have not ever heard of the good news of our Lord. Thank God for sending the nations here as students and scholars. In my ministry with international students, we work together with local churches to serve through initiatives like leading an English conversation group, being a presenter at a professional workshop, or becoming a professional mentor. It has been a very long year, a challenging year, yet it has also been a very meaningfully fruitful year. Thank you so much for your support and prayer. Here are four prayer points. First, as the end of the academic year is upon us, so is our weekly International Christian Fellowship concluding. Yet, our students continue to request to have Bible studies together. So, we will have ongoing discipleship after their finals. These students are from different countries of East Asia, as well as Egypt, Nigeria, and Puerto Rico. Pray for them to continue to hunger and thirst for God's word. Pray that as we study the book of Acts, they will embrace our missional God's calling to be his witnesses wherever they are and wherever they will be sent. Second, we have two Bible studies that just started this week. I am leading one with students who are still living in Asia. We met these students through Zoom when they attended our professional workshops this semester. A former student leader of our International Christian Fellowship who recently returned to Asia is co-leading with me. Also, Cindy recently began co-leading a mom's group of international students and scholars. They are all interested in the God of the Bible. Pray for these students, scholars, and scholars' wives to encounter the truth and love of God's living word. Third, we have begun discerning God's leading for a ministry home walking distance to NYU. Currently, we live up in Harlem, which is about 45 minutes away. This home, this new ministry home, is to be a house of prayer and praise for the nations. It would give international students a home community away from home. Lastly, this home would serve as a missions outpost to equip church members to engage with those who do not yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I have an info sheet with more details 
If you would like a copy, contact the missions committee. Pray for us to actively and patiently wait for God to open doors and provide the funding. Fourth, please pray for rest and refilling. It has been a very long and exhausting year. COVID-19, our children's year-long remote learning, anti-Asian hate crimes, especially in New York City. Living in the city, uh, there is a very heavy yet non-visible weight that is carried every day and heightened all the more. Living in a 900 square foot apartment, my workstation in our bedroom, pray that our family can get out of New York City sometime this summer. It would be a huge blessing to refill our souls, our minds, and our bodies. Since our years uh, studying at Gordon-Conwell and interning with you, you continue to be our home away from home. We hope to visit you in person when it is prudent to do so. May his kingdom come, may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please join me in prayer. Dear God, we thank you for always loving us. We adore you for who you are. You know every little thing about us, what we're thinking, all of our worries, all of our happinesses, and even how many strands of hair we have on our heads. We thank you for being our amazing God. At this time, we confess that we do not always honor you. There are times where we may feel like the prodigal son, and yet, you always welcome us back home with open arms, with no questions asked. We are grateful that you always allow us to return home to you. We thank you for providing for us with a roof over our heads, food to sustain us, and family, friends, and church to fellowship with. Thank you for demonstrating your love to us so that we may love others. At this time, we pray for our ministry partner, Kenny Chow. We praise you for the students from many parts of the world participating in Bible study. We praise you for sending the nations here as students and scholars from East Asia, Egypt, Nigeria, and Puerto Rico. Even though, and we also praise you that even though the weekly International Christian Fellowship is concluding for the school year, that the students continue to request to have Bible studies. We thank you that they will continue to have ongoing discipleship even after their finals. We pray for the ICF students to continue to desire God's word and answer the call to be his witnesses through their study of Acts. We also pray that you'll be with Kenny and a former ICF student leader who are co-leading a new Bible study with students who are still living in Asia. These students met through Zoom when they attended a professional workshop. We thank you that they could still continue to want to co-lead a Bible study together. And we also pray for Cindy, who began co-leading a mom's group of international scholars who are all interested in the God of the Bible. Please be with them as the community group begins reading the Bible together. We pray for these students, scholars, and scholars' wives to encounter the truth and your love. We pray for discernment of God's, of you leading for a ministry home that is walking distance to NYU, that this home would serve as a house of prayer and living community for international students. 
And lastly, we pray for rest and recharging from the exhausting year that Kenny and Cindy have experienced during the year of the pandemic, as well as all the students having to manage remote learning, hate crimes, and especially in New York. Lord, we lift up all of our burdens to you during this time. We ask that you give us comfort and peace even when we do not have all the answers. We know that you have a plan for us and that you are always watching over us. We pray for you, your healing from all sicknesses, even though you, you watch over us and you do not like what it is doing to us. And we ask for your compassion and your love that never fails. Please open up our hearts and minds to hear your message this morning, and we lift up these prayers to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now we will continue with the reading of the Acts Litany. Um, this is a responsive reading that we have been doing weekly. I will read the part that says presider. Please res read responsively where it says congregation. After Jesus died and rose again, he started something new. It was called the church. To form this body of believers, he first gave them power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Then he gave them a message. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and be baptized. Then he gave them a fellowship. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Then he confirmed the message with signs and wonders. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then came persecution. They arrested the apostles, stoned Stephen, killed James with the sword, and there arose great persecution. But the word of God is not bound, and the church continued to witness boldly in the name of Jesus. He has risen from the dead. Everyone who believes receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's all read together. All of these things remain true for us because we are the church. He has given us a power, a message, a fellowship, and signs and wonders. And if persecution comes, his word will not be bound. Thank you. Today's scripture reading is from the books of Acts, chapter 12, verses 1 to 25. I'll give you a moment to open your Bible or your device to Acts, chapter 12, verses 1 to 25. In your pew Bibles, that's page 920, your brand new pew Bibles. Please follow along as I read. About that time, King Sorry. Um, yep, sorry. About that time, King Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to the four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. 
Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And then he went out and followed him. He did not know what he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them as its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure the Lord that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where, they, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she just kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they were opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison, and he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea and Caesarea and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last breath, breathed his last but the Lord of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. May God bless the reading of his word. Today we are continuing to hear from our sermon series, The Church Unleashed. We have Pastor Jeff preaching on the second martyr and almost a third. Let's turn our time over to Pastor Jeff as he shares God's word. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. It's so good to be able to worship with all of you, whether in person or online. It's, it's awesome to see we even have some, some mothers and some children here this morning. You know, I, I think it's, it's kind of amazing how much some of you guys have grown over this past year. 
Babies that were babbling before are now kind of speaking coherent sentences. Children and youth have gotten taller and bigger voices have deepened. Uh, some dads, I think, beards have been grown and then shaven and then grown again. This morning, we are finishing up our sermon series through the first half of Acts. And, and honestly, as I was reading over this passage and, and preparing the message, I was, I was honestly trying really hard to see if there's anything in this text that could tie to Mother's Day. Because it's Mother's Day, right? You know, it's one of the more popular church services of the year next to Christmas Eve and Easter. It's uh, people come expecting to hear this inspirational message about mothers, but instead today we get a, a text and a passage about martyrs. Now, Look, I guess if we, you know, we kind of ignored the context and everything that we've been taught about how to read the Bible for all it's worth, then maybe the message today would have been something like, you know, don't let Mother's Day be Martyr's Day. Mothers, treat yourself. Or, or dads, don't make the mother of your children a martyr for your children. But we're not going in that direction today. Because clearly, as we read, as Joyce read for us, that's not what the passage is talking about. And so what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and aim to faithfully preach and hear the word of God as he intended it to be heard and, and celebrate that. And then we will aim to, to celebrate Mother's Day. I think we have a video later, uh, and even if we're doing those things separately. And so, yes, we are finishing up the first half of Acts through our sermon series, The Church Unleashed. Over the past few weeks, we've been seeing the early church expand and reach different groups of people. And in our passage today, we see God's power continually, again, at work in the advancement of his word. But there are dangers that come with it. Dangers that come for those who believe in Jesus and dangers that come for those who oppose God's plan. And so what Luke does in our passage this morning is he takes three people. He uses three people, James, Peter, and Herod. And he draws these dramatic contrasts and reversals. And so uh, right at the beginning, there's this contrast between Peter and James, both apostles, and how there's different outcomes for both of them. Then there's also this contrast between Peter and Herod. And what happens with them? So let, let's begin by taking a look at this first contrast. So at the beginning of the passage, Luke makes the point that persecution brings different consequences for different people. So verses 1 to 3, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. Now, this Herod that we're introduced to in this passage, not the same Herod that we come across when Jesus was born. That was Herod the Great. That, that was the Herod who killed all the male children in Bethlehem who were two, uh, two, year, two years and under. That's the Herod who we read about dealing with the Magi, the wise men who were trying to search for Jesus. This Herod is Herod Agrippa I, Herod the Great's grandson. And then there's a lot more Herods too, but actually kind of knowing the whole family of Herod helps us to kind of see how the narrative unfolds, helps us to see where we're at in the story. So this, this Herod, he's, he's pretty popular with the Jewish people. 
Josephus, he's this Jewish ancient historian, he, he writes about this Herod. He says, He was not at all like that Herod who reigned before him. For that Herod was ill-natured and severe in his punishments and had no mercy on them that he hated. And everyone perceived that he was more friendly to the Greeks than to the Jews. But Agrippa's temper was mild and equally liberal to all men. Accordingly, he loved to live continually at Jerusalem and was exactly careful in the observance of the laws of his country. He therefore kept himself entirely pure, nor did any day pass over his head without its appointed sacrifice. So this king, he has a positive relationship with the Jewish people. And probably then also the Jewish leaders, the same Jewish leaders who aren't so keen on this new movement of Christians. Probably even more so as this group of Christians begins to look different than their Jewish counterparts as we see the gospel going forth to the Gentiles. And so Herod Agrippa, because he's, uh, he, he is in favor with the Jewish people, he begins to persecute those who belong to the church. The text says he laid hands on them, violent hands, or more literally, he intended to do evil, to do harm to them. So he kills one of Jesus' 12 disciples with a sword, James, the brother of John. Probably that means he was beheaded. That's the second martyr that we come across in Acts. And, And so in just one verse, we are reintroduced to James. We say hello to him, and we say goodbye to him. Now, I don't think there's any doubt that James was obeying what Jesus commanded at the beginning of Acts, to to witness to Jesus his life and death and resurrection. This is his outcome. He's a martyr. He dies for his faith. He loses his life for Jesus. And as Jim Elliott put it, he gives up that which he cannot gain that which he cannot keep, to gain that which he cannot lose. The story quickly moves on. It pivots. Herod, he sees that killing James pleased these people. And so he proceeds to arrest Peter also. And it's pretty clear, I think, to many of us reading this passage, that his plans are to kill Peter also. Those plans had to wait You see, it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so Passover was coming. And so just like Josephus reported earlier, he's going to want to follow the customs of this people. So that means no no executions during Passover. So Peter's not killed, but he's imprisoned. And in fact, there are four squads of four soldiers to guard him. So that's 16 soldiers in total for this one guy. And so you have four soldiers at a time for each watch of the night. And these four squads of four soldiers take shifts. So they, they don't fall asleep. And, and you get the picture, you get the sense that Peter is well guarded. That death is imminent. There is no escape. No mistakes to be made. He is going to share the same fate as his fellow apostle James. Except he doesn't. God intervenes and an angel of the Lord comes and breaks him out. So one is martyred 
one is imprisoned and then freed. And by the end of the passage, the, what we see here is that the word of God continues. The word of God is not bound, as we said in our litany earlier. It continues to increase, continues to multiply. And so what is Luke's point then when he includes this pair of contrast? I think when you juxtapose what happens with Peter and James with the continual advancement of God's word, Luke paints a really realistic picture of victory. It's not always glamorous. God's plan continues. We're saying about that. His, there is victory. His, his word advances. But James loses his life. And Peter is imprisoned, and then he has to leave Jerusalem. Both suffer, even if they suffer differently. There's probably another point to be made when we compare the outcome of of James and Peter. I think to some extent it, it tempers our expectations when it comes to suffering in missions, when we see different examples. Because if it was all martyrdom, then maybe that would be what we would expect, or, or maybe we would even desire that, because we might think of that as the norm, as a model. But in some cases, as we see in our passage today, God can and will intervene by his sovereign will to miraculously deliver those whom he calls and sends. So persecution hardship, challenges. They, all, they look different for different people in different contexts. Even today, we, there are missionaries, some who we support, who fear for their lives. Others are imprisoned or kicked out of their country. And still others encounter different sorts of hardships and challenges. But at the end of the day, just like the end of this passage, there's victory. There is hope. There is encouragement. God still reigns. One commentator put it this way, the the king was in charge when James died and in charge when Peter went free. The king can use miraculous deliverance or martyrdom for gospel advancement. And this is particularly true when you have someone like Herod Agrippa going after the early church. When you have someone like Herod who purposes in his heart to stop the word of God from spreading, to do evil and harm to those who belong to the church. And so Luke sets forth then our second contrast between Peter and Herod. And there's this Actually, there's there's this dramatic reversal between them that that demonstrates to the readers that those who believe may suffer, but the word of God is not stopped. Or as we said at at, at the end of our litany, when persecution comes, the word of God is not bound. So we read about Peter escaping, and the passage closes with Herod's fate, verses 20 to 23. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. Having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, 
Herod put on his royal robes, he took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God, and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down, because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. And so, in both situations, with Peter and Herod, you have an angel of the Lord come in and intervene on God's behalf. But there is a huge difference here. You see, the angel of the Lord strikes them both. He strikes both Peter and Herod, but it's the same word there. Verse 7 and, and verse 23, same word, different purpose, different result, different outcome. The angel uh, strikes Peter hard on the side to wake him up. Get up quickly. Prison break. And and with Herod, the angel of the Lord, again, strikes him, but he strikes him down. Maybe hit a little bit harder. One was saved from a death sentence. And on the other, a death sentence was carried out. So Josephus, again, gives us a more detailed account of Herod's death. He, he writes, a severe pain also arose in his belly and began in a most violent manner. He therefore looked upon his friends, that's Herod, and said, I, whom you call a god, am commanded presently to depart this life, while providence thus reproves the lying words you just now said to me. And I, who is by you called a mortal and immediately to be hurried away by death. But I am bound to accept of what providence allot as it pleases God, for we have by no means lived ill, but in a splendid and happy manner. And so when he said this, his pain was become violent. Accordingly, he he was carried into the palace, and the rumor went abroad everywhere that he would certainly die in a little time. So we might ask ourselves, why why does Herod die? There's at least, I think, two reasons for this in our passage. The the more obvious one is that these people adored him and called him a god. And rather than give God the glory, he accepted it. But these are lying words, as he later admits. He is no god. There might be even an echo here to Ezekiel 28. And the prophet says to the prince of Tyre there, Son of man, thus says the Lord of God, because your heart is proud, and you have said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas, yet you are but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of God, because you make your heart like the heart of God. Therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of of your wisdom, and defile your splendor. They shall thrust you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the heart of the seas. Herod's response is different from Paul and Barnabas, who we read about later on in Acts, in Acts chapter 14. There, the people, again, are crying out. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And the crowds are calling them Zeus and Hermes and uh, trying to offer sacrifices. And, and Paul and Barnabas are like, stop. 
No, what are you doing? They say, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you shall turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And so Paul and Barnabas, on the other hand, they reject any claims to deity. They instead point to the one true and living God. Herod here welcomes the shouts of the people, the voice of a God and not of a man. I think there's a second reason, too, for why Herod dies. His death is juxtaposed against the death of James and the attempted killing of Peter, who he is responsible for. And so the passage begins with Herod killing James and imprisoning Peter, and the, it ends with Herod himself being struck down. There's a reversal there. And this is the king who is trying to stop the growth of the church, the spread of the gospel. So I, I think what Luke is doing here is he's encouraging his readers, us as well, especially when it comes to missions. I mean, we've been preaching about the church unleashed this entire time. And he's placing James's martyrdom, Peter's imprisonment, and Herod's death all in the context of the unstoppable spread of the word of God and the advancement of God's kingdom. That's how this passage ends. Verse 24, it gives us a grounded picture of victory. It's not without opposition or hardship or challenges. But one pastor put it this way, giving us some perspective. Opposition is inevitable. Yet we don't engage in this war, he puts it in pretty charged terms, as victims, but as victors. Our king rules and reigns. Now, honestly, I, I think that's easier said than done. Even up here as, I, as I'm preaching, it feels easier to, to say this, you know, realizing that many uh, of our missionaries, of our partners, actually live this out. I mean, it's much easier to, to believe in that now when we don't face difficulties or hardships, when we don't encounter challenges for Jesus. I, I reckon it's much harder Still, to hold to that truth when you come out the other end weary, beaten, and discouraged. Now, not all of us will go into missions, even if we are all called to make disciples. Not all of us will experience anything close to what James and Peter endured in our passage, but maybe we know someone who will or who is going through that. Each Sunday during worship, we have a missionary of the week that our church supports and prays for. And a lot of these missionaries are, are people who came from our own congregation, former pastors, deacons, leaders, members, friends of ours. They are a tangible part of our, how our church is unleashed for God's mission. 
When we first started this sermon series, we also started asking our missionaries and our partners to record these short videos to introduce themselves, to share a little bit about what they're facing, how we can pray for them and support them. The aim of these videos was to help us as a congregation remember them, to get more familiar with them, because some of us have never even heard uh, what, they, you know, what they sound like. And it hasn't been easy for churches and missionaries across the world because of this pandemic. And I pray and hope that they and us will see the challenges and place them in the context of a God whose will will be done, whose mission will advance, who is good and faithful and sovereign. And that we might be able to encourage, care for, support those who are endearing much for Jesus' sake. Maybe it means reaching out to them, sending them an email, subscribing to their support letters, or even taking the points from the Missionary of the Week slide each week and praying it at home with your children or with your small group or with the people that you live with, with your family. And all the while, we look to our King who reigns victorious. Now, as we wrap up our sermon series this morning, we, we talked a lot about mission, about outreach. Different aspects of it, for sure. The essential life of the church makes for an effective witness. Not speaking about Jesus is not an option. The gospel is not for any one people, but for all people. Hopefully some of this, you know, sounds somewhat familiar. The sermon series came at a time, I think, when both the temptation and the opportunity to be inward focused might be at its greatest. It might even be why to some of us, this sermon series may feel seemingly irrelevant because so many things are sidelined in our lives, in the church, in our communities. But at the same time, we're finishing this sermon series right as we begin to reopen. This is our second in-person worship service. As more people are getting vaccinated, as restrictions are even hopefully looking to get lifted by the end of the summer, if, if all goes well. When we began this sermon series, we, we talked about how Acts stands for Acts of the Apostles. But it could, we also said it could just as well stand for the Acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit through the church. It is an invita- uh, invitation to us to see what God is doing and to participate in that as his church, as his people. Let's pray. God, we pray that we would be able to do that together, to participate in the unleashing and unfolding of your kingdom and your plan, Lord. Father, would you continue to encourage us and make us bold for you as we make your name known. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please rise in body and spirit as we respond in song.
everyone overcome. You may be seated. Now is the time for communion. It's where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the good news that we are redeemed from our sin by the grace of God. As we celebrate communion, we also celebrate the unity of believers, that, that God not only saves us individually, but he also unites us to a fellowship, a Christ-centered community, the church. If you've not yet given your life to Christ, or you have not been baptized yet, we do ask that you refrain from, from partaking in the elements, whether you're here or at home. But please come and speak to one of the pastors or elders or deacons. We can talk more about what it means to follow Jesus. Now, because of the pandemic, we are worshiping both in person and online. So we do ask that those of you who are attending online uh, at home join us in the virtual Zoom lobby where we can take communion together. I think the QR code should be hopefully on the screen, or if, if not, the, uh, the link to join the Zoom lobby should be in the video, uh, Vimeo video description below. In taking communion together, this cuts across the typical individualism and unilateralism of our uh, Western American culture and also serves as the church's witness to the world. So we're going to begin this time by worshiping together, and uh, during this time, you can go get your elements. You can, uh, for those online, uh, you can sign on to the Zoom lobby, and then if you're already done with that, you can take some time to reflect and worship together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to take our punishment and penalty of sin. We thank you for establishing the church, your people, where we give and receive mutual care. We ask that the magnitude of the cross, your grace, would be imprinted upon our hearts and through that our lives. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me let's take together in the same way he also took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We drink together. We do remember this morning how Jesus died for our sins and rose again for our justification and is coming back for our complete salvation. We remember, great Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for sending your Son and pouring out the Holy Spirit upon us. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now receive this benediction. He will help us overcome in the daily grind and in death through his blood and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember this, this day and this week. Amen. Now is our time for announcements. Um, and welcoming of new members, or newcomers, uh, and even for those of you who have joined us for the second or third time. Um, So welcome, we wish, if you're here for the first time with us live, um, we'd love to meet you after service um, outside, um, where it's really nice outside. Um, If you're joining us online and it's your first, second, or third time, uh, we'd love to welcome you virtually. Uh, We have um, links on our online website for you to get connected um, and to give us your contact information to reach out to you. We look forward to meeting you in person one day. Um, I have two announcements for us. For VBS, we have VBS coming online from pre-kindergarten to fifth grade, and this will be from June 28th to July 2nd, which is Monday through Friday, from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., For more information and registration, please use the link in the email. Um, The second announcement we have is child dedication. Uh, So we have this twice a year. Um, We have a time where parents can dedicate their children to the Lord. Um, The next one coming up is June 13th. Uh, If you are interested, please talk to Dr. Jeffrey Arthurs. And for those of you um, who are at home, we invite you to fellowship with us at our Zoom virtual lobby after service, um, where we would break bread together. And for those of you who are in service here, we'd like to greet each other outside to fellowship with one another. And for those of you who need prayer, we have, um, for those of you who would like to receive prayer or to be prayed with or have someone to pray with, you can join our video conference rooms where someone will be with you to be able to pray with or for you. And now um, we conclude this service with a special Mother's Day presentation. One more time. I love you, Mama. I love Mama. And why does baby love mommy? Milk! I love that mommy cooks for me 
Thanks, Animal Crossing, with me and those mine tiles. Very nice. Because she's my mom and she birthed me. <laughs> I love you, mom, because you go bird watching with me and make food for me that I really, really like. What's your mama? What's mama? mommy because she's super nice to me and she makes really good food that I love. I love my mom because she takes care of me and um, plays with us. I love my mom because she cooks for me and she takes me to places and she helps me. I love my mom because she's great at giving advice and is so knowledgeable and always encourages us to keep learning. I love my mom because she helps guide us through our faith and she comforts us when we are sad. I love mommy because she cooks for us and she cares for us. I love mommy because she helps me with everything I need to do like piano, Chinese, and homework. Why do you like mommy? Because she plays with us. Yeah. And she's hard working.
love mommy? Um, because she gives me hugs and she lets me hug Sarah. Because mommy loves me to always hug her. I love you, mommy. I like to hug you. I love mommy because she because she washes my sheets when they're bloody and dirty, and she always gives me hugs. And I love mommy because I love mommy because she gives me hugs. Um. And she lets me watch your iPad sometimes. And and I love mommy because she washes dishes for us. I love my mom because she makes very delicious food for me. I love my mom because she cuddles with me and hugs me in her bed in the morning. Join us outside for fellowship. <laughs> 